everybody and welcome to another episode of every horror movie on netflix the show where we watch review and discuss every horror movie on netflix i'm patrick and i'm back this week as always with my friend chris hello and my other friend i only have two steven hi you, you might not even have that man i really hi guys i really <laughs> hope this doesn't turn into every hostile movie on netflix because i think they're all up there right now <laughs> how, how many are there i think there's three Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Jeez. All right. Stephen well. King says Hostel Two is good. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I'll have to check that out. But today we watched the first Hostel, and we're going to be digging into it, discussing uh, all the mutilations and dismemberments that happen in the horrifying land of Eastern Europe. But uh, before we get into that, what have you all been doing in? horror world for the past two weeks i know steven you said you've been a busy boy yeah i've been a very busy boy indeed i'm not going to bore everybody with detailed descriptions of all these things but i've been watching a ton of shit because it's winter you know i'm getting tired early i don't want to go anywhere see anybody so i'll tell you about a couple things and then i'll run through three really fast like ama style and i'll just say i watched it and if you have a question i'll answer it and then we can move on Okay. Uh, I've been playing Resident Evil 7 at Chris's oh. uh, suggestion, having a yes. fucking blast. I texted you guys, it might be too scary for me, but it is absolutely wonderful. And I made the observation um, to myself, I suppose, but I think I might have texted you guys that like, if so many of the movies that we've watched on Netflix, if they were just video games that were this good, I think I would really enjoy them. I don't understand that take. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I didn't understand that either. Because it's, it's like, like set in like a like very like overly familiar setting. Like there's nothing like too surprising happening in it. But the fun of it is being in the is being the protagonist and being in the room. I don't want to sit down and watch a movie about somebody wandering through a torture house, you know. But okay. I'll play it. I'll play it if it's oh, done as well. I get it. You want to be first person in the midst of don't knock twice. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, or Polaroid for that matter. Well, you know, as you know, like my pet peeve with these Netflix movies um, are the movies and the scenes where it's like you just have someone walking around in the dark, right. you know, slowly. And that's certainly more compelling if it's in the form of a video game where you're the one walking around in the dark. You can be as slow as you want. Um, that's basically what I'm trying to get to. But yeah, thanks for yeah. the rec. I, uh, I've been wanting to get back into gaming for a while and I love a good horror game like Amnesia. It's one of my favorites that just like, you know, keeps me up long into the night. Um completely terrified i uh, i watched a movie on it's this is on shutter of course uh that i had never heard of before and i guess it's because it never really had a proper release it is an american folk horror film from 1980 or 81 called eyes of fire and as i say the words american folk horror it occurs to me i can only think of one other film that fits that description and that's the witch and this movie is very much a kind of prototype for the witch. It's about a family that's too puritanical for the small town they live in. They move out in the woods and there are ghosts of native Americans and witches mm. and shit. And I'll tell you the acting in this thing isn't great, nor is the dialogue, but it looks beautiful. It was directed by a photographer um, who only went on to make a couple of trashy B movies after this. And the thing I like most about it is anything that is suggested in this movie, you're going to see at some point. And it's a fucking blast. <laughs> like, if you hear about a witch, you're going to see a witch and you won't believe what she looks like and what she does when she shows up. It's great because some of these movies, I feel like it's an excuse to make a low budget movie because it's all about the atmosphere and the power of mm. suggestion. And here they just fucking mm -hmm. go for it. Highly recommended. Before I get off my little soapbox here, uh, I watched Yellow Jackets. Great series with an ending that I wasn't. Wasn't totally happy with the ending, but I think it does set up a compelling season two. I wish it was just one and done, but the the four female leads as the adult versions of some of the characters in the crash at the beginning um, are so fucking good that I'll watch them do anything. Christina Ricci is deeply unsettling and hilarious. 
Juliet Lewis is amazing as kind of like a burnt out coke addict who's still dealing with the wreckage of this horrible thing she experienced with her soccer teammates, this Lord of the Flies type situation in their youth. Check it out, but like prepare to be a little bit let down by the end. I'm really hoping they can recover from that in the next season. I think you guys would both really dig it. It's a fun time. I watched M. Night Shyamalan's Old, finally. Me too. Oh, you did. Oh, my God. It's a ridiculous concept that, like, only M. Night could have pulled off, I think. And it is the most M. Night Shyamalan movie ever. Like, there's a just so many inexplicable, like, motifs and tropes in it. Like, literally any time a character is introduced or talks about another character, they mention their occupation. Even in, like, the most stressful yeah. moments, like, oh, I just want to see my daughter. She's a nurse. And I'm like, why? Why is that a thing? What is the, Is this a joke? I don't understand it. Yeah, I wondered about that. There's a there's particularly that one character whose name is like Jaren or something like that who says his own name so many times, yeah. and I was like, is there a is there a meaning to this? I don't know. I, there was there was a lot I liked about it. I could lop off the last twenty minutes of that and have no problem with it. There's a there's a twist at the end that is long and just feels unnecessary to me and almost kind of uh, undercuts some of the thematic stuff that starts to develop at a certain point it that kind of bothered me you think he just kind of feels obligated to give you a twist now yeah i think well i think that might just be the way his brain works i think he just i think he likes twists you know yeah i mean the last thing i'll say about it is like it feels like maybe we're dunking on it a little bit but i had a fucking blast with it like Mm. it's not good but m night knows how to keep you compelled he knows how to move the camera no i i also would say it's not good necessarily but i enjoyed it and i i actually texted chris because i feel like it's something chris would really enjoy too sounds like i have to see old i think you have to see old yeah that's your assignment it's great have a gummy and watch old like it's it's such a blast um the last one, I I don't know if you guys have heard of this or not. The Humans, it's an A24 movie with uh, Richard Jenkins and Amy Schumer and Steven Yeun. Hmm. Uh, that, that is a, it's, it's based on a play. It's a family drama. Uh, set at, I believe, Thanksgiving in this creaky old apartment uh, building. And it's, for all intents and purposes, a horror movie. It's, it's like your kind of typical, like, August Osage County thing where it's just a family sitting around a table. But... It's dripping with dread and every noise that happens in the building like triggers different characters in different ways. And there's this undercurrent of like of deep, deep horror amidst this relatively stressful family gathering. And I I had a wonderful time with it and found it to be deeply moving and in the end, pretty damn scary. That sounds great. Yeah, check it out. That's on um, Showtime, I think. Uh, Yeah, that's my long list of stuff I've been uh, been watching lately. Horror wise. Chris, you got anything? Not really. I've uh, been drinking Monster Energy. <laughs> That's still pretty scary. That's scary. Well, I will throw in the the quick note that I've been on a little bit of a creature feature bent lately. I watched Eight-Legged Freaks, which was quite an experience. And I've also, in the past uh, 48 hours, actually watched the entire original Jurassic Park trilogy, which has been a blast. And frankly, I bring it up because... I don't think those movies are often enough described as horror, but God damn, especially that first one, I kind of had forgotten, but that's certainly a horror movie. That's there's some really scary, scary, that's still terrifying movie. Yeah. yeah. And, and I bring it up primarily though, because we were watching the behind the scenes uh, documentary for the original Jurassic park and guess who worked on the visual effects team. None other than a alum, Mark AZ DePay director of spawn. No way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, clearly, he uh, he really brought his visual effects acumen to <laughs> <laughs> to Mount Bolger. yeah, to the first movie we ever watched for this podcast. So, anyways, let's move from the first movie we watched for this podcast to the latest one we watched for this podcast. That's a segue. Uh, wow, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow that segue. Hostile, hostile. Why hostile. did you? Why did? You, why the fuck did you pick hostile, Patrick? I picked hostile. Because it came out in what was what was the year for this was this was like mid aughts right like two thousand five I think yeah. five I think or six yeah I, I was in high school oh five oh five what oh seven who let's give it up for the oh six crew oh, Jesus yuck <laughs> I was still yeah wait you said oh six so yeah I was what eighteen I was still somewhat ensconced in the the bubble of 
homeschooled life. I had yet to fully emerge into the world as an adult who can make his own decisions. And I was <laughs> horrified and fascinated by movies like Hostel, which I certainly had not been allowed to watch for most of my youth. And, and you know, certainly had started watching that shit with my friends, but was still scared of movies like Hostel. So I would look up on the Dr. James Dobson focus on the family website summaries of these movies <laughs> to find out what was actually oh going on in them. Like what was the, what was the truly heinous shit happening in these movies? And, and I did this with like saw movies and things like that too. And hostile was definitely one of those where I read about what happened in it, but had never actually seen it. And so I just had this like sort of unmerited view in my head of just it being like the absolute, extreme end of like heinous content and it and i had just regarded it for years as something that was probably nasty and ugly and stupid and something i didn't actually want to watch but i had this perverse fascination with it so now i have actually watched it and it turns out it's ugly and stupid and heinous and something i didn't want to watch would you guys view it cue it or screw it (laughs) (laughs) you know my experience patrick you guys know i've i've been watching horror movies since i was in the womb practically and it's still like had this like at that age for me had this like faces of death kind of air about it. Like, mm. Ooh, this is going to be beyond the pale. This is as edgy as this is going over the edge. Do I need to see this? Do I want to see this? It felt like forbidden almost, even mm-hmm. though it was a you know mainstream horror movie. Uh, and I, I did see it and I, I think I only remembered the select parts of it that it wants you to remember. <laughs> what about you, Chris? What was your experience with hostile? If any, I sort of have a similar experience where, you know, I was in high school and I heard it, it was similar to kind of how when the Blair, you know, we've talked about when the Blair Witch Project came out when mm-hmm. I was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. And how it was like kind of had an urban legend sort of feel at that level. I kind of remember hearing a lot about it in high school and sort of the same tone where it's like, oh, hostile. Oh, it's so fucked up. Oh, hostile. Like, oh, there, there's so many boobs in it. And then it's all torture. Oh, and, and so I kind of had this without having seen it all these years. I was never really interested in it. I assume that we were talking about a movie where like, you know, a, a half hour of it is going to be softcore porn. And then an hour of it is going to be like two or three people in a warehouse getting dismembered, screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. And we get something a, a bit more interesting than that. And and honestly, less horrific and less gory than I was expecting based on its reputation for all these years. That was my experience, too. And I wondered while I was watching it this morning, kind of revisiting certain scenes, I was like, oh, wait, there was a this was the era of like, you know, a movie like this is going to have an unrated DVD. Right. And oh, I was yeah. so I looked up like what the differences were because I thought this is pretty tame. A lot of it relies on kind of clever visuals and sound design for the torture. And it turns out there wasn't really that much cut from it. I, I think the unrated cut still sounds like pretty tasteful considering the subject matter. I yeah, I was sort of surprised almost to a degree by the number of scenes where you don't quite see what's going on. I, I thought it was going to be more graphic, honestly. But again, a lot of that is just reputation. You know, mm-hmm. it's just been, it was built up, particularly when it came out, as just like sort of the ultimate transgressive experience, <laughs> which it's not. But I mean, we should, we should set it up a little bit for those who uh, may be listening and haven't exposed themselves to Eli Roth's transgressive masterpiece. You got three friends. You got two American friends, one who's kind of like a good guy and the other one who's a little edgier. And they've got their friend, uh, Oli, who they met, who's from somewhere in Europe. I forget. Iceland. Iceland. Yeah. The two American guys are backpacking around. They're in Amsterdam. They're hanging out in a hostel in Amsterdam. And Amsterdam is not edgy enough for them. They <laughs> are just looking to have as much sex as possible. And they just can't find what they want in Amsterdam and they hear that really loose women are in Slovakia. So they go to Slovakia, Mm -hmm. go to a pretty shady hostel there and uh, they get into some shit. That's pretty much the premise, right? Yep. And when you know, there's going to be torture involved. Yeah. Um, And, and, and Eli Roth, I I read, you think Obama went on an apology tour. This guy went through an apology tour. He had to go to like all these countries and be like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to fuck up your tourism. Did, what? Don't hire Mossad to kill me. What? That's apology like a central... tour did Obama go on? 
That's a, that's a joke. That's what the conservative commentators were saying about how he got elected and went oh, around apologizing for America. Oh, okay. Yeah. To European countries. Gotcha. Deep mm-hmm. cut there. Deep cut there. Very deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 maybe it's too early to get into this, but I spent this whole movie wondering, like, what the fuck is his intent? Because this seems like on the surface, just so blatantly xenophobic that, um, yeah, I mean, I would think if he wanted to, to keep his career, he would have to apologize quite a bit for some of what we see here. Here we get into the dichotomy of Eli Rock. Yeah. And there's something we've struggled with publicly on this show at multiple <laughs> junctures. Um, because I think Eli Roth is a cool guy and I think he's smart and I think he's a little sensitive. I think he knows what he's doing and I think his intentions are usually pretty good. But what he puts on the screen is mm-hmm. deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I'm, I'm I'm curious about one word you just said, sensitive, and I, and I don't know any. I I haven't really watched any like interviews or the whatever his history of horror series is called. But where do you get sensitive from with him? Well, let me let me tell you. According to an interview I read, a, con- a contemporaneous e- uh, interview from when this movie came out, um, what he was trying to do was illustrate sort of. Uh, dumb American attitudes about foreign countries and people who think that uh, other places, whether it's Las Vegas or Amsterdam, are their playgrounds to objectify people and and commit transgressions and depicting this without condoning it. And then showing these people getting a comeuppance where now they're the ones who are being objectified and tortured and all this stuff. Which is, I mean, that's fine. But I, the events of the movie, which we'll get into in, into in the spoiler room, like, you know, those same people who he's ostensibly trying to criticize end up getting the upper hand or, or one of them ends up, I guess, getting the upper hand and sort of taking revenge in the end, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's, well, it's yeah. very thematically muddled. Like, I mean, that was my main question with this whole movie. It's like, why am I watching this? Like, yeah. what, like either if you're going to give me something this dark and, and just wallowing in like human awfulness on all sides, like there's no one good in this movie. Uh, if you're going to wallow in that, that much do something thematically with it and have a a point other than just wallowing around in the dregs of humanity for an hour and a half. It does feel like he, yeah, he doesn't go far enough with the concept to take a firm stance on it. And even throughout the movie, I'm wondering, like I had serious questions about whether or not I was supposed to find these three men sympathetic in any way, or is this just a product of its time where it's natural for them to be thrown out the F word and the R word and everything constantly. I mean, so yeah, much this of this is, movie this is, is brought to you by gay panic and the male gaze. And I couldn't tell if he was trying to like satirize a certain type of American masculinity or if he kind of, if he thought that was cool. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's kind of got the Tarantino syndrome going on, and 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 we should note that he's friends with Tarantino. Well, and the movie's Tarantino produced really by, helped, by, yeah, by Tarantino. Tarantino really helped shepherd this movie into being. Um, and Tarantino's <laughs> kind of got the thing where he's like, "I'm so cool and not racist that I can use the N word liberally in my movies." Yeah. But you see, I'm making a commentary about it or something. But really, you kind of get the sense he's getting off on saying the N word. Um, yeah. and it's kind of the same thing with Eli Roth where he's like, I'm, I'm commenting on sexism and, and, uh, homophobia and all these things, but really, I kind of think it's cool just to put that in the movie. Cause I was trying to, I was just trying to put my finger on it. Cause you're so, I mean, if you haven't watched the movie, we're treated to at least a half hour of these people just being disgusting American slobs, douche bros. Who, douche bros who they're trying to get laid they have you know they're they're complete homophobes they're completely objectifying every woman they see mm-hmm. um they're just trying to you know get stoned get drunk get laid etc and i'm like all right so i don't want to fall into the the trap where i'm like depicting this behavior is necessarily condoning this behavior mm-hmm. i'm like how am i supposed to feel about these people right um and I was like, is there like a Wolf of Wall Street thing going on here, et cetera? <laughs> yeah. But like what what bothered me was that like 
the visual language of the film, like there's there's a shot where they go into a club and the establishing shot for the club is like a tracking shot where the camera is like following some woman's ass as she walks through the club. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Boogie and Nights, like, this is not. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, so here what you're doing is is you are not, this is not a subjective framing from the experience of the characters. Like now the language of the film is centering this. Um, and this is, this is the movie condoning this at this point. That's so funny. Well, I wait, think I thought a- that about that exact same shot. I actually thought about whose perspective is this from? Is this one of these particular characters because there's no cues as to who's looking or is it sort of the three characters jointly or is it just the director shares the sort of creepy male gaze of the three characters and I feel like it's C, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's like all of the above, depending on which moment you want to hone in on. Like, that was my main problem with this movie is it just didn't have a clear enough stance on this behavior. I mean, even like halfway through the movie, there's a gratuitous shot where uh, a woman behind like the checkout desk at the hostel they go to yeah. in Slovakia, where it just like there's a gratuitous that was the shot. pan down to her ass where I'm like. It, was that even done in camera or did they <laughs> edit that after the fact? It looks so cringy. That was the that I, was the I, shot where I had that thought actually. It wasn't the one that Chris I, mentioned before because it it's you're looking down. You're being forced to look down. I was like, mm-hmm. who's looking down? Is this one of these characters or you know, I, I read that as as being more subjective from the from the characters, but 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 it doesn't matter. We're all it's just trying to parse this out. And then you can you can read an interview with Eli Roth or you can listen to a Eli Roth talk and he seems like he's not a scumbag and that he was actually aspiring to something cool with this stuff but i don't know it's just uncomfortable but then i'm like you know what i'm watching an exploitation movie maybe i should check that shit at the door a little bit (laughs) i mean yes and no like he like on paper this is a great concept and it to read or listen to interviews with him it sounds like he has a firm grasp of it and then the movie itself is just like why does he have this mental hurdle where he can't bring his vision to the screen because he's not a bad director like i think a lot of this movie is very well shot and very like tasteful and, and compelling in as much as the subject matter will allow and yet he doesn't make that crucial leap to where I want to see these characters get tortured and maybe I'm open to seeing one of them escape and rise above the, the, this kind of awful, disgusting behavior that's being perpetrated in the, in the hostel or the warehouse or whatever. I, I was, I was particularly puzzled by that first half hour of the movie where they're just partying in Amsterdam. They're talking about getting laid. They're trying to get laid they're goofing around in Slovakia. It, this movie feels very padded to me. It feels like there's kind of a basic concept that might have been better suited to a 20, 30 minute short. And it's just padded out. Like I was I was honestly surprised because I didn't know that like the, the main shit went down in Slovakia. I thought Amsterdam was going to be where they got in trouble and got into this whole torture situation. But mm-hmm. no, there's kind of just this prolonged setup where they realize Amsterdam isn't edgy enough for them. So they find another hostel in Slovakia. It, it just it felt very padded out and it felt like one of those you know kind of hangout movies where I'm just hanging out with these three and in this case like three just unpleasant people really for a I liked hour. all that really no I, I like the padding I mean I, I, so so I think Eli Roth says he was aspiring to like a slow burn and and I, I don't know if he achieved that but I don't mind hanging out with these people and kind of understanding because you got you know everyone knows Amsterdam you show them in Amsterdam you show them doing the thing that's fine but then like it's not going to be in Amsterdam because the whole point here is like oh this place exists but it's in this other country it's not at the it's off the tourist track and yeah. so you got to have them at the on the tourist track and then they go off to, to, to they go out to hell aka slovakia <laughs> um and i don't know it worked for me i like that i i did not need to spend i, I thought it was, it was paced very well hmm. It didn't bother me. I just don't feel like that time was used because, again, I still was conflicted about how to feel about these characters after hanging out with them for 20, 30 minutes. Yes. I, didn't like, I, mean, I wasn't conflicted. I was like, I hate these people. And I was like, I can't wait to see them get dismembered, I guess. I was like, how is this movie going to make me feel compassion for them once we get to the torture is what I was wondering mm-hmm. yeah. the whole time. Yeah, we also uh, have the long scene on the train where they meet the guy who's going to end up like sort of selling them off to the, the Slovakian hostile torture ring loved and it. is going to torture them. He's talking about how he likes to eat meat with his hands and 
You didn't like that? I, it, it was fine. It was fine. It, I don't know. It all yeah, just no. felt like, you know, this movie exists for only one reason, to to try and shock us with this torture stuff. And all of that shit felt like just unnecessary preamble that could have been dispensed I with. Kinda disagree. I kind of disagree. You definitely disagree. Because I don't think it's super... I don't know. Again, I got to take myself back to 2006 because, I mean, after nine Saw movies, <laughs> it's all been seen and done before. But, like, I feel like it didn't swing as hard to just be, like, gory and shocking and disgusting as it could have. There's a lot of subtlety. There's a lot of implied violence. You don't see the toes getting cut off. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see a lot of stuff. Um, I think this movie's made because it's a great fucking concept. It's it's a really great concept that like, hey, there's a place just like fucking Jimmy John is going to go and spend a million dollars to kill a lion that they have chained up <laughs> in, a, in a zoo. There's a place where these rich people are going to go and and kill you. To get off, but uh, that's hardly an original know, it's, 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 it's concept. Luxury. I mean, like the most dangerous that's game. True. That. That's true. Well, let me ask you all a question. Did you read the Wikipedia article for this movie? Didn't because actually. It's I did. Hilarious. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I'll just read the direct the direct quotes from the Wikipedia article. Maybe skip over a couple of things. But they were hang- Eli Roth and Tarantino were hanging out in Tarantino's pool. <laughs> which is just a gross thing to imagine. Oh um, man, I mean talk about and they, male gaze. And they G A Y S. And uh they they brainstormed the idea um of, of a Thai murder vacation movie because Tarantino was trolling on the dark web and uh <laughs> believed that this was a real thing. Eli Roth was. Eli Roth was on the dark web or something. Oh no, you're you're right. It was Roth's idea, and Tarantino loved yeah. it. But then Roth went to do research and found nothing. Like that doesn't really exist. Uh, but he was well, going he, to make. A- he reached a point where he could no longer do because he was like, I got as far as I could without giving them my credit card. And then I was like, if this is real and these people just kill people for a living, I'm going to let somebody else solve that. Wait, mystery. so there was a real a real thing he was looking at that was like this. There was a website he found Fuck. that was supposedly based out of Thailand where you could. Spend $10,000 to kill somebody. And it was consensual because the idea was like destitute people were signing up to be killed so that you and then their family would get the money. Okay. Um, It still sounds urban legendy to me. I wonder if that ever happened. Yeah. Wow. Well, Eli Roth said that, like, well, whether it's true or not, somebody thought about it and somebody went as far to make a website about it. (laughs) So that appetite is out there. Um, And Chris, I didn't know you were into web development all the way back in 2005. It's a long (laughs) long time you've been in this game. That's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the reason our our Amon website doesn't work right now is because I had to switch some bandwidth over to my uh, murder site it's getting real popular with the pandemic people have too much money from crypto and they're they're bored at home working from home so can you can you put a link to that in the show notes yeah because of the pandemic we're doing it virtually now so there's just a webcam and there's a gun and you press the button to fire the gun Uh, oh my god (laughs) well does anyone know and I mean, I'm sure this is very easily found on the Wikipedia article that you're on right now, Stephen. But where was this actually shot? Is Slovakia actually Slovakia or, or what is Czech Republic. Czech Republic? I was pretty impressed by the way they set the scene, set the mood of this place. I It felt like a very real, specific, very scary place to be. And I thought that was well, well done. Like the tra- the train station great location yes scouting i was nobody there when they get out this is my nightmare you know i I think about this sometimes when i get off of transportation in a new place and you know you're in that place that just looks very isolated and no one else is around i mean even that shot where everyone who's been on the train with them like scatters down the stairs and they're left alone on the platform we did that patrick when we were in panama we got off the bus Ready to go to those oh, islands yeah. and we were on the side of the road and there was nothing around for a that mile. That was wild, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oof. Yeah, good location work. I mean, it all it's all very well shot. Feels feels very authentic. I've never been there, but um it felt, you know, felt like a little 
little vacation. Well, that's, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. If you go to Slovakia. Is there, is there actually a, a torture museum where people jump out of the dark to, to grab you? <laughs> yeah, it's all they have. They have torture sites and torture museums. Yeah. They go to the hostel. They hook up with some, some women who are very interested in them and want to go to the spa with them. But, of course... The women are just selling them to the torture ring. I don't know. Is that spoilers? It, it, this, this seems almost unspoilable. Like, obviously, these people get sold into a torture ring. There almost aren't spoilers to this, right? The only spoilers are, you know, who survives, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can kind of, we can sort of save the, the who specifically dies and who does what in the end for the, the spoiler room. But, like, obviously, it's about a torture ring and the hostel is a, a, a front, basically, to sell Americans, foreigners, whatever, to be killed by wealthy people who pay to kill them. Right. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly simple and straightforward, and yet it's still... Um, yeah, I don't know. There were still moments in it that I was I was pleasantly surprised by. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, having seen it before having ingested the whole fucked up marketing campaign for it and having forgotten most of it. I really thought this was going to be straight up gruesome torture porn. And uh turns out there was a lot more to chew on and it wasn't as gross as I thought it was going to be. I I really liked the concept too. And what, and every time I was like got a little bit more of, of a handle on what the premise of this was, I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty interesting. I like this. It's not, yeah, the most dangerous game. It's not super unique, but um, again, I was expecting to see three guys tied to chairs, screaming, watching each other get dismembered for a full hour. I expected, I, I expected testicles to be cut off and plopped onto the floor at some point. I mean, I thought oh, I was just going to sure. go there. I'm pretty sure. For I'm sure. pretty sure that happens in Hostile Part Two, and I know that only thanks to Doctor James Dobson. <laughs> What is, what is he a doctor of, really? Come on, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really, when it gets down to it, you know, like you said, three guys watching each other get dismembered or whatever. The like the first one, you don't really actively see any of what happens to him. The second one, you see a little bit. And then it's mostly about the third one trying to, uh, to I guess, avenge the, the other two and find out what happened to them. <laughs> yeah. So I've got my scary stories to tell in the dark treasury right now. I mean, when don't you? It's just attached to your utility belt. <laughs> it's always within arm's reach. But th- there's something really chilling to me about some of the stuff in this movie that also was in uh, 211 that we just watched. 122. And- 122. Oh, well, I'd, yeah. 122. I'd be fucked if I were in Egypt <laughs> and you had to call the cops. Um but there's a story in the third scary stories book called Maybe You Will Remember, and I don't know where it comes from. I'm trying to look in the back of the book right now to figure that out. But the concept is a woman and her daughter check into a hotel in Paris, and then the daughter goes out, comes back, and the mother's just gone, and the room has been reset, and mm. the hotel staff are just completely denying that there had ever been another woman with our hero and it's just really scary. And so you get some of that in here where it's like, you know, there's a lot of people who are in on this conspiracy to sell these guys to the torturers. And then it's like, when you get to the part where it's like, you're in the hotel and the hotel desk clerk is, is for lack of a better word, gaslighting you. (laughs) And then you go to your room and you see like two other women exchanging the same dialogue as the women that you met were trying to set up the next scam. That's spooky shit. That's scary. That was a cool moment. I liked when he went back to the room and there were two completely different women still basically going through the motions of the exact same scene when he walked in. That was, that was a cool, creepy moment. It's all a bit ridiculous, though. It's like, is this the easiest way to, to like, what, to kidnap people? <laughs> like, you, yeah. you gotta you gotta hire hotel staff. You gotta hire these women. The women have to, like, party with you and fuck you for, like, three days. And then, <laughs> like, is this, is this really the way to do it? I mean, it? <laughs> someone could have just thrown a fucking hood over their heads at the train station and thrown right. it in the trunk of right. a car. But maybe the, maybe the people on the front lines of this kind of like the act of luring these men in and toying with them. Mm. Like that's what they, they're not actually doing the torturing, but like they get something out of it too. They like the dance. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're, they're just, yeah, they're just theater kids. Going <laughs> uh, the so, most malevolent of people, uh, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. as a former theater kid, yeah, yeah. That, mm-hmm. I I feel like we may be approaching the spoiler room, so that we can kind of dig into the all the you know the good torture and and who dies and how oh, yeah. and whatever. But I I want to share with you all the the important experience that I had watching this movie. So I just, as you both know, I came back from Costa Rica where I was staying in a hostel and I had big dreams of watching Hostel while in a hostel. Didn't quite get to it, but I wound up, (laughs) I downloaded this movie to my phone and watched it on the plane on the way home. And there's a lot boobs and sex in the first half hour of this movie and i kept doing that thing where i would like you know how netflix will do the picture in picture thing on a on an iphone where you can you can close (laughs) it and it'll be a little window on your phone so i would like pretend i was like looking at texts on my phone while like there's still fucking going on the little window you look like more of a it absolutely did and at the point where they go to the the sauna in slovakia and there's just nudity everywhere i was like oh my god i i really can't watch this on the plane like a flight attendant is going to come over and be like sir we need you to stop watching pornography on this plane so i actively stopped it and watched the rest of it when i got to an airplane and had my back to a window <laughs> that faced out on the tarmac so that nobody could see the, <laughs> Wait, the films I that i was watching it boggles my mind it boggles my mind that you ever thought it would be a good <laughs> idea to watch hostile on I, a plane i really didn't i knew it was a bad idea but i went ahead with it anyways did david lynch get on the on the speakers you think you've seen a movie on your fucking phone <laughs> no he should have though <laughs> oh my god how did you manage to hide the yeah. fact that you were jerking off while this was going on that's what i'm curious about <laughs> oh boy all oh, right boy. should we review it yeah let's do that <laughs> uh, who wants I'll, to go I'll first? volunteer to go first I, I give it a cue it you know what if you put this movie off because you thought it was going to be what the trailer told you it was it's not exactly i actually had a decent time with it i'm glad mm. i revisited it um i had a little you know as confusing as it was to me at times I had more fun with it than I would have thought of. I mean, and there's some weird shit in here, too. We haven't talked about the roving band of criminal children. <laughs> in this. Like, uh, there's some fun to be had in an otherwise like pretty grim sounding movie. So I would say check it out. The roving band of children has such big deputy Winston energy. <laughs> yeah. For, for listeners who may have not seen Cabin Fever or listened to our episode about Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, there's a there's a weirdly comedic character named Deputy Winston who injects a lot of energy into that movie. And I would say the, the roving child gang in this movie doesn't inject quite the same energy, but it still has that like just weird sort of like off-kilter comic vibe to it that doesn't quite fit with the rest of the film. I thought it had more pancake energy. Uh, like, uh, here, alright, so here's the thing, and, and I'm glad that this came up, because something that I just kind of didn't like is, this is a pretty well-done movie, and it's it's pretty grim and dark and upsetting, but Eli Roth just keeps undercutting himself with kind of the sophomoric humor touches <laughs> as we go along, and I... I can't condone it. <laughs> Which is so weird because you love humor and you always want more humor in everything. I do, but I i mean, if, if the whole movie felt more like a satire or something, then maybe. Yeah. But it's like you have people in these serious situations that are played very straight. And I get invested in that. And then you see Looney Tunes shit. <laughs> and it's like, laugh at that. And I'm like... I'm not trying to laugh anymore, man. You just took me like you. You did a good job making your movie, man. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in your world. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's I, it, again. It's it's kind of like the urge to be like to do the Tarantino thing because he, you know, notoriously kind of combines violence and humor and everything. But like I don't know. When I think about when Marvin gets shot in the face in Pulp Fiction, it feels true to the mm-hmm. world, you know. And it, this does not the the stuff you get in this movie, especially towards the end, does not feel true to the world that they've established. Mm. Well, he's straight. Eli Roth is like such a nerd that he can't help himself. I'm sure there are like deep cut like giallo references and shit in this movie that like are totally beyond me. The thing with the kids is probably a reference to something that I will never see. And he just, he can't help himself. Yeah. 
doesn't work for me at least but it's, yeah I, I, I i appreciate it it's it's i mean i i, I can't say because here's the thing he has like a I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Eli Roth movies, but we watched a couple of them on the show now, and he has a distinct voice, and I can understand why he's popular and he's interesting for sure. And who, I mean, just because I wouldn't, you know, have a slapstick moment where the kids are bashing in the guy's skull or whatever, <laughs> like that's that's not to say he's doing anything wrong. It's interesting. He's got his voice. He's got his style. Um, you I know. did laugh at that. God bless him for I that. I did laugh at the skull being crushed. Yeah, I was horrified by that. <laughs> <laughs> that was upsetting. Jesus, that was that was graphic. Fuck. Did you actually give that a rating, Chris? No, no I didn't. This, I, that was we, a tangent. This was, that was an aside. Okay. Um, I'll give a rating though. I'll, gi- I'll give it a cue. I mostly agree with what you said, Stephen. Um, it it surpassed my expectations for sure. It's an interesting movie. I can't really recommend it wholeheartedly because. Again, it's got such a dumb and sophomoric and frankly offensive first hour or so, and then it doesn't really do a lot that you haven't seen before in other movies, mm-hmm. whether it's Saw or whether it's like just kind of, you know, the paranoia stuff of like Eyes Wide Shut or something. There's better movies to see that kind of do the same sort of stuff, but it, it's fun enough, and it was certainly uh, way better than I expected and way more interesting than I expected. It's an interesting movie. So cue it. Wow. Patrick. Wild. I, and I did not expect to like this, but I did not expect to like it least of the group. This is an unequivocal screw it for me. Maybe a screw it with prejudice. It was just an unpleasant movie. I hated all the characters. It is dark. It's grimy. It's grim. It's unpleasant. It has nothing to say. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Nothing. Nothing to recommend this for me. I'm laughing because like, obviously, you know, you're, you're not wrong, but everything you just said is like definitely intended well i'm laughing because i <laughs> that's not to say you can't hate it <laughs> it's just funny you're like i this movie i hate all the characters and it was dark and grim i i'm laughing because at the end of the last episode when you chose this i was furious and i said yeah. it's what you think it is and it turns out i'm fucking wrong it's not what i remembered it to be i thought maybe you'd be a little more forgiving of it patrick no it just didn't no. There's just nothing here to latch on to for me. And I, I mean, I can even take a grim movie with a point to it where I walk away with something to really think about. But no, that's not here. Just unpleasant. It's just an unpleasant thing to watch. I'm not going to disagree with you. All right. Well, we'll get into the spoiler room and talk about all the unpleasant. Let's get trees. on the. Can't let's wait. get on the elevator and write it down to the spoiler torture gulag. Yeah, but, you know, first... Uh, go to our broken website. You, know, you can go to our broken website um, and more, try to more find... More broken the, than if, the government it, of the of Slovakia. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you can't find the link to go to my, my Murder for Hire page, um, you can go to our merch store and buy, like, a t-shirt or something that says every horror movie on Netflix on it. You know, uh, we always encourage people to, to review our show, give us a rating, Five stars, hopefully. We love hearing from our fans. And also, you know, I'm sure you got some feelings about Hostel. Everybody seems to. So uh, send those our way because we like hearing from our listeners and our fans and hearing what they thought of the movies and what their takes on it was. That's one of my favorite things, one of my favorite parts of doing the show, actually. Yeah. Me too. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for that lovely promotional announcement. And uh, while you guys are all out there following our shit, going to the website, leaving a wonderful review, we're going to head down to the spoiler room and we'll be back in exactly 15 seconds to spoil everything about Hostel. All right, we're down here in the spoiler room. We've been on this cart full of body parts. Like, I just pulled a severed hand off myself to get back to the mic. And we're here to spoil everything about Hostel. Yes, we are. So, what happens in Hostel? Fucking Oli, the Swiss or wherever he comes from, dude. Iceland. Iceland. Icelandic guy gets killed very early. We see a severed head. They don't get taken. They don't get taken at once. I thought they, yeah. like I said, I thought they were going to get taken at once and all three Picked of them were going to be in the same room wide and they're all going to be watching each other get dismembered. Yeah, that's what I thought no, too. No, 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 no. We got 
Iceland guy who just goes missing and we know he's dead because there's like a jump cut to his severed head in the in the in the gulag asylum mm-hmm. slaughterhouse, whatever you want to call it. Then the the hero of the movie, basically like the, the nice the, guy. Like, it, yeah quote unquote nice mm-hmm. guy who's who's just as much of a dick as the other guy but is more inhibited um, <laughs> that's a good way to describe it <laughs> and and just yeah. more handsome he's easier on the eyes too that makes it palatable, yeah yeah suppose he gets taken we, we actually go with him and we see you know him get tortured by, by fucking Rutger Hauer I mean, we we have the, the, the poor, poor man's, man's Rutger Hauer, Rutger Hauer. without question. In I, this I, film. I, he reminded me a little bit of old Roger Moore too. Oh, okay, um, I could see that. I guess I wish they had cast Roger Moore. That would that have been would. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, this 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 guy um, that they met on the train ends up torturing that guy, and 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 we kind of learn about his motivation. And he's like, "Oh, I always wanted to be a surgeon, but my hands shake too much, <laughs> and but now I get to know what it feels like to have a life in my hands." <laughs> like, well, okay. and that's one of those moments where it was less graphic than I thought it was going to be, because I think the first uh, act of violence that the poor man's Rutger Hauer commits against the quote-unquote nice guy is putting a fucking power drill through his thigh, and you don't see any of that, which no. really kind of shocked me i was expecting some grisly close-ups of that and i mean you know to be fair there there you do see some grisly stuff and and some over-the-top shit but that's not one of those things you just see like a meat encrusted gristle encrusted drill afterwards and and this guy having you know bleeding wounds on his body well even the achilles tendons being sliced like we don't see that happen we see the aftermath which is yes horrifying enough sure yeah and that was, you know, and that was one of those moments after poor man's Rutger Howard slices the guy's Achilles tendons where I was just like, why am I watching this? What's the point of watching this guy wriggle to the door and try and get away? This is just gruesome and unpleasant. I needed to hate him more. Again, this is my biggest problem with the movie is Eli Roth just kind of riding the line with these characters. Like, I, I don't know, like, how much of this was acceptable to portray on screen in a casual way in 2006. So I don't know exactly how much I'm supposed to be disgusted by these people. You needed to hate who more? Oh, I needed to hate the victim more. If oh. I'm going to watch him get tortured and, oh, and crawl right. away and everything. Right. Or like him more. Or like him more. One or the other. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and, and he, and yeah, like you said, he's really on the line or it's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this guy. So I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Kind of watch this kind of academically detached. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe he's brilliant and that's intentional. And we're like supposed to be somewhat sympathetic with the torturer, where we're like distancing ourselves from this piece of meat. Maybe. I mean, definitely not, but that would have been more interesting. And I mean, I even like gore. Like, I like over the top gore effects, but I just, I need a little bit of a wink to assure me that we're having fun, you know, and this is not a movie. This is a movie that's like trying to make this as grisly and and gruesome as possible. And there's just, there's not really a sense of humor to it other than sort of what we were talking about before with the kids, you know, I'll I'll take, you know, evil dead is pretty fucking gory and and gruesome, but you're having fun. You know, you're having fun or like a Stuart Gordon movie, you know, you're, you're having a good time for the most yeah. part. I mean, how do you feel about like the Saw movies? Then? I think the Saw movies are stupid for the most part. I don't like the Saw uh, movies. Like I've watched them. Well, fuck you too, I've man. watched them all with you, but I think for the most part, I don't really like the Saw movies. Yeah. Well, I've never liked the Saw movies. The gore, the, the, the torture scenes have always been my least favorite element of the Saw movies. Um, I, I appreciate but, as you do the, the sort of labyrinthine narrative structure of the Saw movies and the soap yeah. opera shit that they try and pull off. Like that's mm-hmm audacious and sort of next level but yeah there's not really a sense of humor to those which is you know another reason why i i watch the gore mostly with perverse fascination and not the way that i would just like enjoy it in a sam raimi movie or a Stuart gordon movie or a you know whatever insert other director who can do this with a sense of humor tell you what i i you know one of the differences between this and saw for me this is actually i think a little more a little more scary for me because I have a, I have a thing where I'm, I have a phobia about like torture and capital punishment, like being tied up or being in some situation where it's like, Oh, we're going to hurt you. We're going to kill you. And there's no way out. It doesn't matter. There's no it's way. Not, out. It's not you a trap and there's a way that you can potentially escape. Yeah. It's just, you're done. You're not forced to do it to yourself. It's like, you can't talk your way out of it. There's nothing you can do. It's, we're just going to do this now. 
Um, and I, I mean, ever since I, I, as a child, I was like reading about like Tower of London executions and just getting the heebie jeebies. Like, oh God, it's like they're going to kill you and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> like, um, so that, that, that gets under my skin. They do a good job, I think, of that, especially because by the time our actual hero, the, the last survivor, gets into the torture chamber, he's given a torturer who doesn't even speak English. Mm. So you're like, oh, there's no bargaining with this guy. Well, and it's funny, too, that that's the character who winds up being the last survivor and ostensibly sort of the protagonist of the movie, because prior to that, I mean, I think by a long shot, he's been the most reprehensible of the three main characters. Like you've got yeah. the good guy, you've got the Euro- again good guy with quotes. You've got the European uh, Icelandic guy Oli, who is you know I don't I don't know this guy is just by far the biggest piece of shit of the three. He's the instigator. He's the one that always is trying to take things to the next level and drag his reluctant friend along. Yeah, but you know what? Like here's the thing: I'm liking this movie more the more I talk about. It. <laughs> um because you can't have this guy just be a saint you can't you know who wants to see like a family man just dragged into this situation and tortured a bit you know like i don't know but i didn't a- like this person so i had no reason to like want to watch them get out of this I, I, I had well, no I reason you're to root for like this person. Because it's like, all right, look. Well, I think the reason you root for him is because you're like, all right, this guy is like a bro piece of shit, but he didn't do anything to deserve this. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's also where it gets muddled because you know, like, like kick him out of college for sure, but don't, <laughs> but don't make him do. That's this. where it gets muddled though, because you know, I mean, Roth's point in making this movie theoretically is to critique xenophobic americans right is is kind of what it boils down to from what uh chris i think was saying before right? um i don't know about xen because I, I agree that the movie <clears throat> is xenophobic in itself and of course it's a post 9-11 movie you can read all that shit into it but i think he was trying to not xenophobia but just kind of the like ugly american who just uses the world as his playground right yeah. and uh, but there's not really and again there's not really a critique of that because then it expects you to identify with this guy and treat him as the protagonist and i think you know you're supposed to root for the revenge narrative that he goes on because it does turn into a, re- a revenge movie by the end and he does successfully execute revenge and he doesn't really learn a lesson no, he doesn't. It's a fucking mess. I agree with you. Like, I, it's it's a baffling choice. But then again, I don't know. You got to get out of this situation somehow. And I'm glad that at least it offered, like, some redemption, however muddled, instead of just wallowing in disgusting, grisly bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I liked sort of the the cleverness with which he got out of some of these situations. You know, I, I mean... <laughs> talk about humor there is kind of a humorous moment where uh the you know i guess i want our protagonist at this point in the movie his two of his fingers are severed and his kind of lucky break is that his captor slips Mm -hmm. on his two severed fingers on the floor and drops his chainsaw and from there he kind of the protagonist uh executes on a series of uh lucky breaks to get out of this situation um you know he he yells in german because he actually knows german and summons the the bouncers in and and kind of cleverly dispatches the bouncers you know uh, plot wise plot construction wise there's some some clever little oh yeah it's that happen it's very to, fun to get him out of this situation it's very fun and it's it's like okay you know he's in the most desperate situation and then you slowly see him you know build some power and make some progress towards escaping and and i was relieved spoiler alert i mean he gets away in the end mm-hmm. and i was certain i was certain especially once he like got in the car and was escaping i was certain that he was going to end up you know run off the road wake up back in the chamber and he was going to get dismembered and that was going to be the end of the movie You know what else has like big Eli Roth energy and big Deputy Winston energy in this is the scene where our protagonist has started to disguise himself in like, you know, this expensive overcoat to kind of try and slip out of this place by disguising himself as one of the the, the clients, Mm -hmm. one of the killers. 
And he runs into one of the clients or killers in the dressing room. And this guy just has massive, like crazy person energy. It's it's a pretty great performance, Mm -hmm. actually. But it's just this character just feels like beamed in out of a separate universe. And Eli Roth just like gave him like three rails of coke and told him to go as hard as possible in this scene. I, I loved it, too. It just it felt so incongruous because yeah, the, the guy's not of that universe he's like he's a bro he's jimmy john he you know he's a he's a what bro. does jimmy john mean to you well because because the, you, you said the this owner before. of jimmy john's came under scrutiny because he likes to spend money going on big game hunts yeah. in africa and stuff oh okay that didn't mean anything yeah, sorry you said that <laughs> yeah well i i like that scene because it is like you know, the tension is ratcheting up and he's like the last guy you want to run into in that moment because he's like yeah. fucking coked up, like ready to go on his first, you know, torture spree and like wants to know what our protagonist's uh, experience was like and is trying to just like use this guy to psych himself up even more. And you're like, no, we want mm-hmm. this. We want to get out of here right now. And this guy wants to right. see if he's got the tattoo, the, right. the, the dog thing for the elite hunting group and. Yeah, and our our hero, like you know, he just came out of this traumatic experience, yeah. and he, but yet he has to play along a little bit because uh, very interesting scene, well, probably my favorite scene in the movie. Love that. It's yeah, I mean, honestly, it's probably the best scene in the movie. Maybe but, Mary, yeah. maybe Tarantino wrote all the dialogue for that. <laughs> it, it has big, big Tarantino. This, did you guys get yeah, the feeling sure. that like Eli Roth was trying to impress? Big T, QT with this movie. I, Eli Roth has spent his entire career trying to impress Big T. This was like Poltergeist, but with Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino, apparently. like, Are you like, trying to tell me went- Toby Hooper didn't direct Poltergeist, <laughs> motherfucker? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that Tarantino was a, was a hands-on producer, and he okay. was around, and and, and, and he was, um, uh-huh. he, they went over the script together. I guess Tarantino was in the editing room with them, so mm. it's not like he was just trying to impress them, but they were, they were working together. Together. He was being mentored through this a little bit by Tarantino. So this is the loophole Tarantino uses to not actually direct a horror movie because he doesn't want to seem to commit to that, even though everyone wants him mm. to. He mm. just hangs out with Eli yeah. Roth. He just hangs out with Eli Roth. <laughs> um, but no, it's, I, I mean, really, once once we get going and the escape starts, I, I I enjoyed this movie a lot and I liked it more and more as it went along. You know, our guy. Uh, is able to escape the slaughterhouse uh, through some clever methods. He's able to disguise himself sort of to get out of the place. He steals a car. He has to go back to save a Japanese woman that he met at the the hostel Mm -hmm. earlier who he hears being tortured. Uh, She's being by the, by the coke. We were just talking. She's being tortured by the, but I mean, very interesting moment when he meets the guy and he's like, you think I should, you know, do it quick or do it slow. And the guy, looking at it from the torturee's point of view is like, Oh, you want to just do it quick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And her um, face is being blasted with a blowtorch and her fucking eye is hanging out. And yeah. And our guy yeah. has to test to cut it off. Um, that was kind of, yeah. Greg Nicotero, Greg Nicotero did K&B uh, effects? makeup yeah. effects on this. Yeah. I mean the, when the like pus squirted out of her eye hole, because it's barely like a proper eye socket at that point. I was like, okay, Greg Nicotero having fun. And I kind of had fun. I did too. I I screamed. um, I screamed. It was very cabin fever esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it doesn't feel super realistic. And I guess that's why I was able to have a little more fun in that particular moment. Cause I was like, okay, this is just gratuitous watching pus squirt out of this hole. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but they, they escape basically they get, car chase but uh our hero is able to turn the tables on his pursuers by bribing the gang of of the gang of kids that roams the street violent children we haven't really talked much about them i mean what is there to say really like they're just kind of there (laughs) they're a menace but we're able to we're able to basically pay them to stop the pursuers and and then uh i I mean, that was kind of a good just like visual joke where he he runs over the two mm-hmm. women who led them into all this and the guy. Oh, yeah, well, that's of, like, like a Pulp Fiction homage right there. Is it? Yeah, it's like when Marcellus Wallace is crossing the oh, street. Oh, yeah, this, yeah. The, well, this van moves in and just, you know, he's completely unrelated scene, but you see like 
three of the people who put him in this position just crossing the street right in front of his car. And so, of course, he runs them over. Well, but there's a nice one-two punch to it because it's like, oh, he is completely willing to just run these people over. But then the child gang surrounds them again. And we know the child gang likes bubble gum. <laughs> and so it's just a single shot after that where he's kind of like contemplating it, like looking around. And it's like, is he really going to run some kids over? And then the next shot is just a kid like chewing on bubble gum and popping a bubble. Like, okay, good. Like nice sort of, I think almost entirely silent. I don't think there's really any dialogue to that whole no. little bit you know, good visual joke, yeah. really. But, um, but they escape, they make it to, to uh, a train station. Our, our Japanese Ugh. friend um, dis- realizes how disfigured she is and throws herself in front of the oncoming train, <laughs> kills herself. And that's, and that's so unpleasant. That's part of what I'm talking about. It's just like, uh, why am I being subjected to this? It's unpleasant and it's played for comedy in kind of a weird yeah. way. And then also like, um, Oh, do you think so? That makes it worse. I, I laughed. Well, I, mean, I like, laughed, she, but like, I felt bad about myself laughing, but I think it was supposed to be kind of funny in a grim way. Kind of funny. Wow. I mean, especially when she actually throws herself in front of the train and the blood splatter all over you know, all the onlookers. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. So, but I mean, they had to get, basically, they're just like, all right, he did this heroic thing, but really we don't want this dead weight on our protagonist for the rest of the movie. So let's just get, it would be too hard to like come up with a solution for how they're going to escape together with her with half a face so let's just kill her off um and then uh you know long story short our hero catches up with the poor man's rutger hauer in a uh (laughs) train station and he kills him um and he gets his revenge corners him in a bathroom cuts him up drowns him in the toilet takes a couple of his fingers off um very cathartic you know revenge sort of scene and uh he gets on the train and he heads west and that is the end of the film Eli Roth's history of slurs <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know in the end i you know i like i said lots of interesting stuff in this movie i guess i feel like it was kind of a a great concept spoiled a little bit just cuz it's not not scary enough a little too silly, a little too offensive in the wrong ways. I just, I, I even struggle with great concept. I, I don't even see that. And it might just be because like this, uh, you know, I, to a certain degree, I, I don't want to say I grew up with this movie, but this movie has been around for long enough that I feel like the ideas it introduced have maybe almost been absorbed into the popular imagination enough that it doesn't seem novel to me anymore. But I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, murder hostile. And <laughs> I mean, I, all I can say is I would love to write my own version of this movie based on the log line. And like, I think there's more, I think you could make a better movie out of that concept. And I do think it is still yeah. kind of novel. I mean, especially because we continue, America continues to just be a fucking douchey menace. Like I like the idea of like following unlikable characters, seeing them put in this horrifying situation, getting their comeuppance. And then maybe one of them, like actually does develop as a person and we want to see him escape. We don't get that with this movie though. Yeah. One of the interesting details about this movie is that, uh, when our hero is in like the changing room and, and, and taking on the clothes and identity of one of the, the, the clients, one of the killers, uh, he finds like the rate card and sees that, you know, Americans are like top tier $25,000 to kill an American or $50,000 to kill an American. Like they're like you pay less if you're just killing a European or someone from another country. What did you guys make of that? Why are Americans top dollar? I don't know. I, I didn't make much of anything of that. I don't. I, I, it's fucking Eli Roth. See, you say that, but like, I think there's intention there. I think there's intention there. And even well, if yeah, there's but not I mean, intention but, okay, there, it so, says something. But that's what I'm saying is like, even uh, what, it, if there's intention, the intention is just people hate Americans most. Sure. Like that's yeah, the whole depth deep. of it. Not there's not like, it might be. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, that, that that, that's, my, my, that's, that that's was, my, that's my frustration. That's my well, that frustration. My question. What do you take from that? You say, okay, well, it means that they hate Americans more than anybody. All well, right. in, in, in right. this place, like Americans are probably a little harder to come by because they have to travel there on vacation and get fucked up and stay yeah. in a hostel. So they're backed by the, um, by the bureaucratic wits of, of John Kerry or whoever <laughs> was secretary of state at the time. Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
what if he was in the bathroom at the end and oh, yeah. like someone taps him <laughs> on the shoulder and it's like, mind if I sit here? <laughs> Turn around, it's John Kerry. It's John Kerry. <laughs> John Kerry helps it helps him kill Rutger Howard. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. That'd be great. It, That's our, a movie our, I want to see. Our hero dies. Our hero gets killed in the slaughterhouse. And then you just see an epilogue where poor man's worker <laughs> Howard's in this bathroom and the door opens and it's Secretary of State John Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> Punished Venom oh John Kerry. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. Well, I, I think we need to put a fork in this one. <laughs> Steven gets to grace us with a film pick next. What are we watching for our next outing, oh, Steven? Man. I might have to flip a coin, guys, because we're either going to watch something really good that I've seen that I want to revisit or something looks like complete ass. But Oh, I vote for complete ass. You want complete ass? ass? Okay. Yeah. Coin has been flipped. We're not watching... We're not watching Insidious. We're not watching Sinister. We're not watching Malignant. We're watching Malevolent from 2018. Yes. <laughs> what's the what's the log line? All right. A brother-sister team that fabricates paranormal encounters for cash gets more than it bargains for when it takes Ooh. a job in an estate with real paranormal activity. Oh, I like that. Love it. I like that premise. Oh, starring, I love the title. starring Florence Pugh. Okay. Oh. So this has some credentials. Okay. I thought this was just like America's sweetheart. America's sweetheart. Yep. Can't wait. Can't wait to get into some malevolence. We'll see if it's as malevolent and malignant as malignant. (laughs) We'll see if it's as insidious as insidious. Or as sinister as sinister. Oh, my God. Maybe it'll be more malevolent, malignant, insidious, and sinister than all of those movies combined. We'll see. We'll find out on the next episode (laughs) for every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. I'm Stephen, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 